0: Hi right, guys, this is Conscious Convo, episode number 16, you're here with me, Craig, and the wonderful, majestic Chet.
1: How are you doing, Craig? I'm very
0: well, man. How are you?
1: We're good, yeah, but we're in an interesting situation, so I don't know if you can see, guys, but we're in a different location, and now that the lockdown is easing off a bit, we decided to host this conversation from an unknown location, but we're at least a good couple of meters away from each other, or sorry, it looks a couple of metres and went to each other. <laughs> How's things going anyway?
0: Good man, yeah, good. It's, uh, town's opening up again now, Yeah. which was interesting to see. Me and Abs went into City Centre on Monday and yeah, the Arndale Centre, which is the main shopping area where we live, just open and a few queues here and there. Apple Shop had a big queue, Primark had a big queue, Um but there was just like a normal amount of people really. It's like things seemed very much back to normal Yeah. and we just went to go to Waterstones and check out the books so we'd like to spend the time and left from there but yeah it seemed things are very much coming back into normality. Yeah. Still slow, I think it's still going to be a bit of a snail's pace yeah it was interesting.
1: I think the the job situations are quite interesting because uh, my sister is working from home and she was just saying it to me, oh god someone walking past. So yeah, this is the other thing. We're going to get some outside interference with the environmental noises going on. So we may we may have to pause halfway in between our conversation. In the
0: secret bunker.
1: Um, yeah. So I was just saying, it was my sister is working from home, and I think companies are starting to realise now that you don't really need people in our work. You know, you can get people from working from home, which means you can cut the overhead costs of renting a place out or leasing it out, um, and just get a smaller, smaller sort of workplace right. or office. So. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a completely different shift in the way people work as well. And a lot of the people that we know are doing their classes online. And originally, you know, there's a a slight stigmatism towards doing classes online, just in case that it wouldn't work, because you have to put a lot of investment into it, promote it, market it, and make sure you're targeting the right audience. But now we were forced to do it. I think people have found success with that. Um, Just speaking to a couple of our friends, They've had the same situation as i have i think we're making more money now than we did previously so yeah it's, it's for us it's more of a when it happens we'll try and integrate the, the original lifestyle back but now this lifestyle has become the default lifestyle uh, as opposed to what it was before yeah um, but i also think it's amazing how the city is really quiet during night times there's no parties there's nothing going on it's just amazing it's nice to just go for a a quick walk about uh, a night time in the city, especially now, I think, because you're, you're living in the city, so yeah, you... Yeah, know.
0: man, we've actually seen the opposite, not obviously the clubs and the bars closed, yeah. but there's been a lot of house parties, right. lot of flat parties, <laughs> I say a lot, This happened like, there's at least a week where there's almost one every night, and it was across the road from where we are in the, the flat area around the corner, Um yeah, and they were going on until quite late, so I think a few people, even they were getting a bit restless at that time, and because it was very warm weather at that point too, mm-hmm. and they were having house parties. Um, But other than that, general town for the nightlife, it is empty and it's uh, much more pleasant for it in my eyes and it's it's much less noisy, the streets are obviously always cleaner but yeah, it's wondering what attributes we're going to bring from where we've been to where we're going now and especially looking at work, which is interesting, like I've really loved developing the the Breathwork group online and the retreats, Mm -hmm. the online retreats that we've both been a part of. We've had three of those weekend retreats now and that's been great. The amount of people that have been getting involved and connecting with the other teachers, but also with a brand new audience. And yeah, it's been really good. I I like what it's brought, and it would be great to bring all of this moving forward and integrating that lifestyle of being online and being in person too. We've been having a conversation about that, about the hub that we've got in Ancot, the space that we have there, Um, and how. Times would still be able to use that in the evenings, or if I'm still going to be doing the stuff online, and it's so like the online seems to be the best way people can do these sessions from home, get a lot out of it, and it's much more convenient as well for, for everybody involved. So it will be interesting. I don't think anything ever beats in person, though. You know, as good as the online stuff is, if you can get to a workshop or a class or your session with your trainers, it's always superior form being with somebody than being distant or doing it over the screens.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if you just imagine, if this was happening uh, about 60, 70 years ago. Well, not even that, about 30 years ago. You know, Maybe even 20 years ago in the 90s. Uh, it would be a completely different cup of tea because we didn't have this sort of technology. We didn't have the high-speed internet so we can have interactions one-to-one with each other. I think Skype was just coming out, so the voice calls, yeah, you had the voice calls internationally, but it, it was just done with, with a massive amount of delay and et cetera. So yeah, it's a very interesting time that we're living in. And, and like you said, it's something that, you know, what I've said is, if people haven't taken this opportunity to make the most of it, I think you've lost something. Because um, these kind of opportunities don't come by come by very often. And I think if you haven't really looked at uh, focusing on yourself, growing yourself as a person, and then trying trying to also figure out what you want from life as well, and whether you actually do want to continue doing the job that you're doing, it's something to kind of. Step away from, especially in the three week period that a lot of the workers had for the furlough situation. Mm. I think if you haven't walked away from that and just self reflected on what's going on with you in life and what you want, I think you've just missed something out.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. The opportunity to do that digging and to look at ourselves or are we happy with our life and our Mm. jobs? You don't get that opportunity too often. One of the the big blocks within self development or self understanding or connecting to life a little bit more is it we uh, we've created a structure where we're too busy the society is always too busy or we've got the commitments or we've got um fun stuff that we want to do is always something that will get in the way but oh, i'm too tired so i'm just going to stop and i'll chill out and i'll think about that another time and with this time off furloughed or otherwise it's just been a great point of reflection to see where do you want to go with your life like you have the time to figure that out now and you probably saw a lot of the posts on instagram it was saying You know, you don't have to be doing something, you can just be doing nothing. Um, You don't have to be, you know, soul-searching or anything like that, and no you don't, you don't, but it's a great time to do that if you can, if you've picked yourself up or you've gone through a rough time, because it is keeping in mind it's so different depending on the circumstances where somebody is, right? I think we're fortunate to be the kind of people who like the opportunity to go inside and look at themselves, but also to we will find opportunity in whatever the situation is. We'll go, okay, yeah, I'll take that and use it for the best. And that's in a mindset, and that has to be adopted and, or conditioned if you got it from a young age or if you haven't. You learn that you want to improve, so you'll see every opportunity. And that's when relaxation comes in, because there is, to improve, I need to chill out a little bit. That was actually something I did learn through this, this um, crisis, was I need to let go and relax a little bit. But that doesn't mean I've stopped doing things. It means I prioritise and I do things the right way that works for me, which includes relaxing a little bit, do the work, but don't be too hard on yourself and don't be too forward going all the time. Um, so it's it's individual, but if we've not done anything with it, you're right, I think it is a golden opportunity and some great time to look at ourselves gone. Um, you know how many people I wonder will think I'm not doing the job I love doing or I enjoy not doing anything. And if that's the case, like curate your life so it goes along the things that you love to do or how you want to be or the lifestyle that you want And that might include a lot of graft or it might include leaving a job But Mm. you can make it happen And it's having the time to see it and then to go forward through it in whatever means that is
1: Yeah, definitely The other thing we need to talk about is obviously the political landscape And what's happened uh, with all the riots and stuff Mm. Um, Yeah, I've I've noticed a lot of backlash and a lot Actually, funnily enough, I've noticed a lot of people have fallen out with their friends Because of the whole uh, situation And... uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that you know we can't ignore as well, so we'll talk about that as well. And I just feel as though, you know, I think people, in my personal opinion, and again, this is just my opinion, I think people have jumped on the bandwagon and, and it's just, they haven't really thought about the situation properly because um, obviously with all the riots that are going on and then you've got the situation where uh, vandalism and, and, you know, theft is happening as well, a lot of places are getting broken into, and uh, people are saying that's fine as long as it's done for, obviously, for black lives and stuff, and I just said, it's vandalism is still vandalism, regardless of whether it's attached to race or not. And I just think people haven't really, truly looked at the situation properly. Um, I've had a lot of discussions with quite a number of people from different industries, and um, yeah, funnily enough, one of my friends, uh, she, she, her best friend, and her best friend's boyfriend is actually black, and they've just kinda turned around and said to her, you haven't been really promoting anything on his social media about anti-racism, this and that. And I think there's a stigmatism towards people that haven't posted, and I think it's... it's and, uh, for me, I just think it's not fully thought out. I think when someone decides not to participate, it doesn't mean in this situation that they're being racist <laughs> or being ignorant. It's that they need to think about the situation properly before they make uh, any sort of uh, move towards it. And, and I said to her, look, what this situation will give you is you will filter out those people that are just, you know, are not there, they're not there to support who you are as a person, and they're not there to respect your decision or your opinions. They're literally there just so that, um, you know, it's more of a group mentality as opposed to individuals, and I think this is what the, the situation is right now. We're treating the whole thing as just, it's just group mentality as opposed to like, how do you feel about the situation, and how does this person feel about the situation? And I think I had an interesting discussion with a couple of yogis about how they felt as though that the image that's portrayed in western yoga is of skinny white girls um, on yoga mats performing these bending moves and i said to move away from that stigmatism is not to necessarily add new people as the faces of that company so not to obviously add people of color black people Asian people as the people to to draw more asian people in or to draw more black people in because all you're doing is you're placing one group of people with another group of people and then all you're going to do in that situation is either you're going to create a new audience or you're just gonna, or you're gonna create a new demographic, or you're gonna shun the other one away completely. You know, you're gonna put the other one off. The way to do this is, and I said it to um, the yogis that we we're, uh, were having a discussion, uh, that I was having a discussion with, I said the way to address this situation, if you really, truly want to address this situation, is to kill it right from the roots. Don't from the branches, kill it from the roots. And the way to kill it from the roots is not to emphasize so much on the looks, how things look. So with society, the way things are running here these days Everything is based on looks, the way physical looks, how you look. Uh, most good looking people will generally be favored as opposed to people that are not so good looking. Secondly, um, how it looks to other people. So you might decide that, okay, I've made a lot of money now, but I need to show people that I look rich. So I need to buy this kind of car, have this size house. I think that is another issue as well. So, so it's not just about the way you look, it's the way you want other people to see how you look as well. Mm. So that needs to be destroyed as well. Um, and I think you really have to kill that and you have to kill the society's way of dealing with the situation, or dealing with with pushing the idea that things that look great are generally quality, you know. And once you get rid of that, and that's what yoga is. Yoga is based on going inwards, and you know, separating yourself from the mind and the body, because that's part of the material aspect of the universe, and going towards the the Atman, or the, uh, the consciousness inside of you, and focusing on that. So when you move the idea from the image to the person you're on the inside, you get rid of race, you get rid of sexuality, you get rid of you know all the other problems that we're suffering these days, and you go to the root, you know, you focus on what really matters. I think that's the the dissonance that we're facing in this world. You know, we're trying to slot this spiritual aspect into um, this idea that you know this is how it's supposed to present be presented in in the modern society's way of deeming it acceptable. And I don't think that's the way to do it. I think you have to go the other way, which is to say okay I have presented myself in a certain way with a certain yoga company now I'm gonna pull away from that and draw people in for the deeper reasons behind yoga mm. itself
0: how do you think that's achieved how how would somebody do that
1: so if we're going purely from the yoga aspect mm. um, start teaching people what the real meaning behind yoga is what yoga is and I said it to um, a sort of Instagram friend of mine yesterday um, I haven't actually talked to her for over two years or something i just seen Instagram recommending me her posts, and I just messaged her and we went into a really interesting discussion um, and our views were completely the opposite and she was saying that you know all that's happening around is it should be happening so you promote it more but I said it's just causing more violence and more anger and hatred and I said we've seen it through history and I gave her the example of the whole um, climate change situation you know if we really wanted to um, change how we're affecting the planet, we get rid of cars, we get rid of, uh, well, we get rid of petrol, fossil fuel cars, and move towards, uh, you know, electricity, and solar, solar energy as well, utilize the solar, solar energy. Um, but we're not doing that, because we don't want to move away from that. Big companies don't want to move away from that, we don't want to move away from that, from in the individual level. And I think that's where it is, you need to target it at the individual level. What can you change? Like Jordan Peterson says, um, clean up your own group. Mm-hmm. So, what can you change as your individual? So if you have any, racial biases, change that, self-reflect and look at that and think, what am I doing wrong in this situation? And you have to work at the individual level as opposed to working at the global level, because at the global level, it's just a it's a, it's a no-win situation. You're just going to bump heads with people and you're just going to make them more angry in the situation. I've seen like statues and stuff being torn down, and I get it to a certain degree where it's coming from. It's coming from a, a, a sense of the right reason of justice, which is tearing down people that were... Um, celebrated for being you know slave owners etc I get that but then you've got to also look at the nuances of these people as well so someone was saying to me oh we need to also take down Churchill's statue and I said yeah Churchill's whatever Churchill's political views were at the time I get it he had those political views but he's not been celebrated for those political views he's been celebrated for what he did for this country the same with Mahatma Gandhi I think a friend of mine messaged me saying that oh we need to tear this statue down and I said what the hell did Mahatma Gandhi do and he was like, well, he had a racial bias towards black people and he felt this way. I said, yeah, at the age of 24, when he moved to this country, first of all, you've got to look at the landscape, what the world was like back then. Yep. Secondly, you've got to look at the age of the person. He was 24. He was a kid. He was a student. Um, and then you look at the person he became. We celebrate the person he became, not the person he was when he, when he, was, he was at the age of 24. The person he became was this peace-loving, non-violent person and we're celebrating that. We're not celebrating any of these other issues that you had back then. And I think people are not willing to do that because of the way the media is portraying heroes. The hero has to be a certain way. You know, the hero, perfect. exactly, a perfect hero, no. Which doesn't exist. And that's what the problem is. I think we want these sort of figures to have the perfect image and it doesn't exist. And then until you start actually appreciating people's bad side as well, yeah. that's when you really start to appreciate their good side. Um, and I think that's where the problem comes. It's the fact that we're not addressing it at the individual level, we're addressing it at the global level thinking, this person, because he, um, for example, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, Churchill, Mandela, you know, they cater to a wider audience. You want them to be the perfect image and it just doesn't work that way. And I think that comes into the mentality, again, of society having certain role models. So for example, you know, the sportsmen that represents certain brands, you want them to represent a certain brand and and you want them to be the perfect person and like for example Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods yeah. exactly what happened to him yeah. you know once all of his dark stuff came out that most guys are doing the same thing you know it's just that they're not that famous they're not on the platform to, to have that sort of yeah. scrutiny but most people are doing the same thing and it's just because this person is a certain way people like uh, companies like Gillette pull their sponsors away from, uh, mm. from from people like this
0: yeah man it's so such madness uh, everyone was talking about that Michael Jordan documentary um, I've not i I watched the first episode. I used to love basketball and Michael Jordan specifically. I'll give it a watch and yeah, it was good. And, and it was saying how you know, one, when he first went to the Bulls, before they were how as they are now, they were all like doing drugs in the room, like smoking joints or doing coke and drinking everywhere and loads of girls in there. And he was like, right, I'm out just in case any of the police came. It's like, his integrity was, this isn't for me. Right. And it's like, okay, this, you know, that was, it's nice to see that that hero had that about him. But then longer down the line, in one of the episodes, I've not watched it so I can't comment fully on it, but he was saying he gets into gambling and he has a bit of a gambling problem. All right, there's a vice. The, the perfect man is no longer perfect. And I think it's either a, a conditioned and programmed response for us to always think you have to be perfect or this person that you worship or look up towards has to be ideal. And life isn't about that. Like those things straight away, from ego, the ego's creating duality. It's saying this is right, that is wrong. Can't do that. Must do this. And once you've established that, you're either not good enough in your own terms or society's terms. Um, you you won't be able to achieve what you want to achieve because you've behaved a certain way in the past, or you look down on others who aren't behaving the same way as you are, even though they're in a completely different life and different experience. And it's like i think it's said really well when it's you've got jesus and the devil and you have to understand that you're both of those um, i did see it saying that there was god and the devil but i see that separately because god is all of creation good and bad they're both there like it's all created by life by the universe by god however you want to see it by a high level of intelligence and we can understand so duality is split within that based on our actions and our thoughts and what we're saying, oh, that's right or that's wrong. Because sometimes the the wrong action in somebody else's eyes is actually the right thing to do. But that person won't see that way, one, because we're conditioned so differently. We, we have a, a moral ground that we like to work towards. It's obvious, you know, don't murder, stick to those ideals, don't steal, you know, no adultery, all these things, it makes sense. But if you're in self-defense and you accidentally kill somebody, you know, like, you'd you do your best not to but if that had to happen. Um, you know, just so many other examples where things that are deemed wrong or incorrect were correct in that moment. Yeah. So it's seen that, and even the times that where we have messed up or we've done the wrong thing that we know was wrong, but we learned from it, like, it's fine, it's okay to not carry guilt, baggage of guilt or fear or shame around It just make you not think you can still be a full person. Yeah. And the separation that we have is disastrous and we place it on these idols on um, Churchill or Gandhi or whoever and it's like take the good parts of these people and let go of the bad parts yeah. because before we're judging and criticising this person was racist obviously we're in a modern age now where we can see that that shit's messed up let's get rid of that let's stamp that out but let's also not absolutely smash everybody in the past because that was the time they grew up in no it wasn't nice it really wasn't nice and neither were times before that you know whether it was not to do with racism but the medieval times when women were being burnt as witches because Mm. people were falling in love with them or seduced by them so oh they're witches let's kill them like that wasn't nice too do we get rid of you know what I mean it's like all these different elements of history learn from them not demonizing everything, but seeing that was messed up. Let's, yeah. not, let's not reenact that. Yeah. And the, the statue thing is interesting because I think the ones that people were just pure slave traders, yeah, they should be taken yeah. down, like, sure. they, they sure. shouldn't be Because
1: they are there to represent that, You know, that's their main uh, vocation to mm. become a slave trader. And fair enough, take them down, like, I completely understand that. But it's when you start creating this, the thing is it, it always creates a chain reaction. When you start doing one thing and they say one statue goes down, and then everyone feels as though everything needs to go down at the same. Well, it's
0: time. looking at that, isn't it? It's like we get on that righteous march and then go, "Let's correct the world." And you're not gonna, you're not gonna mm. correct the world. And I like what you were saying before the conversation, someone saying, you know, if you've got the platform to share your voice, and, and I did share that picture, you know, the black picture, mm. but I put it as um, it was uh, two hands, I saw done that. in a stencil yeah. style. Like I yeah. really like the art. and It was a bit more spiritually inclined. Yeah. They're saying that we can do better because we can, we can do better. But it's learning from where we're at and where we've been and where everybody's going is this, is, you know, the mass movement. I think it's great to wake people up. But how do you win something if it's if it's about the individual stance? Like, I witnessed an argument online and it was an older generation and a younger generation. And the older generation was say, I can't believe they've graffitied a Churchill statue, um, what are they are doing about this? And then the younger generation was saying, you know, that's not really that important because these black lives that matter, this this needs to be taken seriously and done something about. Mm. And they were just not clicking at all with what the, the argument was concerning. Mm. And I think this is where you've got to take in, what? what's the most compassionate act of the point? Don't graffiti, no need for that, Like mm. I didn't need to, to go on to there. Yeah. And at the same time, this matter with what's been brought to the forefront of the world has to have some sort of action and understanding towards it. And as you said, look at yourself, how do I understand this? Am I creating a limit within myself, or is there something um, that, I'm, that I am that can be open to with regards to it? Is there something that I'm missing out? You know, the white privilege thing was really interesting mm-hmm. to me. I had an instant resistance to those words, to white privilege. I was like, well, I'm, you know, I don't think I'm racist. I have a multitude of friends I'm of all colors, creeds, and I love the, the whole world as, as a point of learning and interaction. Like, mm-hmm. you're only gonna learn more from people or places that you're not familiar with, right? Um, so I thought, right, I'll have a look at this because it stickles with me. Mm-hmm. I saw some people posting these books and they were people that I, I, you know, respect. So I was like, right, I'll take a look into it. And there was a guy who was explaining what white privilege was. And it really hit me in the sense that it can be conditioning that we're so unaware of. You know, there's a level of ignorance to it. We're not having specific views. Or we have a way of living that we don't realise is good, you know, that is given to us. But it's very difficult because you didn't choose those circumstances, you didn't choose what you were born into, you didn't choose if your parents have more money or not, all you've got is yourself and yeah. what you're doing with what you're capable of offering out and how you want to live your life and that's it, if we're not doing harm, stay aware, always stay aware, can I do something more or there? but at the end of the day, you are not going to change everybody else's opinion or force them to, you have to see like this, it's live your life as good as you can, as clear and as honest and as compassionate as you can, and accepting the way the world is, trying to make changes along the way, but without, I mean, look at the right, like you say, it turns to riots. It turns to to fighting and and police brutality. I mean, the opposite side of that is the the skinheads who were at the Churchill statue, and all the white-shaved bald guys, and they were starting riots and fights. There's always gonna be riots and fights with whatever extreme group is. It's finding the sensibility and the diplomacy to to get there without that violence, without the rights. That's the last form that should ever be required. Gandhi. It was all silent protests in India, getting rid of the British, the white British people. Silent protests.
1: And they did it. Yeah. I think with the the discussion of white privilege, I think it's too abstract. It's too abstract. Like, so let's say, I think I was listening to Ben Shapiro last night and he was saying it. He goes, okay, let's say you come to me and you say, in your company, um, you felt as though the... The company you're working for, you felt as though the, the sort of the black people were kind of being overshadowed by the white people, especially when it came into the job roles. And you specifically saw that. You specifically saw an action by, let's say, your boss or your manager who selected a white person purely because of they being white and not picking a black person. And you've got to be definite that you're right about that. And it's a definite act of malice, an act of malice, and not just. Um, the person's chosen, the other person, of com- uh, competence. That's the other thing, that's where Jordan Peterson talks about it goes. The thing with this white privilege stuff is, it's so easy just to put the race card in there and just say, oh, it's, it's all because of, you know, you picked that person because he's white. The thing is, if you look at companies, companies are not there to, to pick race. If they could pick all women and all colored women, and that was cheaper labor, trust me, they would do it. You know, these top companies, like, um, billion-dollar companies like Amazon. Apple, exactly. Amazon, they do it, Disney, they would do it. They, do it. they would do it hands down because they mm. want to make money. It's, it's maximum profits. They don't care about race and all this kind of crap. They care about profits. And and, and I think some pe- what people don't understand is, unless you actually see a direct act of that white privilege happening, where you see it's definitely out of uh, racism, etc. You mm. see, you're 100% sure, then you can hold that person accountable. And it's the person, not the group of people there. Mm. It's a the person directly. It's like when you commit a crime. You, know, you can't hold everyone accountable unless they are part of that crime. Mm. You know, so it's very abstract. And if you can actually point out that happening in society and say, this is happening and these people are accountable, then fair enough, I'm willing to support that. But if you're just saying white privilege all the time for any action that when a white person does something, I don't agree with that. I think that's a lot of bullshit. I think you don't have any premise of your argument. You're just using that as an escape goal, just to say, this is something we just want to blame this group of people on. For me, that is an act of racism. Mm. For you to... And I was saying, I was in arguments with people and people were saying, oh, uh, racism doesn't exist towards white people. I said, look at it objectively. Take away your skin color out of that. So um, this person, funnily enough, was white. I said, take your skin color out of that and then look at it objectively. When one race says to another race, oh, we're gonna judge you on your skin. Um, you know, you've been, you've, been, you've been given your privilege out of your skin or you've been given your detrimental circumstances because of your skin. That in its form is racism, in its core. So I don't believe reverse racism exists, but I, exi- I believe in racism itself. It can be either way, it can either be towards white people, black people, Asian people, etc. Racism in its fundamental form is exists on its own without any sort of political attachment to it. And that's why people wanna put the political stuff on it and say, well, racism only exists if a white person is racist towards a black people. The amount of Asian people I've seen, like Indian people and, and Sort of, uh, sort of continental people I've seen being racist towards white people or racist mm. towards black people is unprecedented. I've seen so much of it. For example, in my family, and it, my parents wouldn't see it as racism, they would just see it as, oh, it's just a stigmatism. But when I was young and I said to my parents, would it be okay if I married a white girl? They would say, no, you need to marry a white, brown girl. Is that not a form of racism? Mm. You're judging someone based on the color of their skin. Is that not a form of racism? But then people will say, oh, that's a cultural thing, and they'll. they'll <laughs> they'll gloss it over with sugar. Mm. And I said, this is what the problem is, you're glossing it over and you're making excuses for people just so that, because it it offends a group of people. Screw that shit, you know, you're going to offend people, but if you really want to get to the root cause of the problem, you have to tackle it at the root cause, not try and gloss it over. And the argument Mm. that I was having yesterday, well, it was a discussion, um, the person was saying, well, we need to, um, you know, almost lift up the people that are oppressed. But then it goes into the argument of, what do you define as oppression and who gets to be categorized as oppressed. Okay, so let's say in, the, in an ideal world we lift up the black community. Yeah, and let's say the situation they're in right now, we completely terminate it, um, and we support all the black people that are oppressed, whether they're low class, middle class, or upper class, we separate, we elevate them. Okay, so then what happens next? Someone from a different person or a group of person of color will say, what about us? And you're like, okay, so we'll lift you up. And then we lift everyone up from the, the, the racial, standpoint so we lift all the people up with a different color skin and then you'll get the gay community saying what about us then you lift them up you get the transgender community saying what about us so at all points you're going to get people that are going to stand up and say we're oppressed so how do you define oppression and how do you define who you're going to help you can't you can't do it so what you need to do is target it right from the root cause which is focus on the individuals themselves and say focus on what you can change in this world, I'm not trying to change everything else. and not trying to force your opinion on other people, because what that usually does, it causes more anger, more hatred, more resistance. Mm-hmm. And when there's resistance, there is no way to, to salvage a situation. So for me, all these riots, all these protests, that goes into the category of just uh, being a rebel, considering being a rebel, and that really doesn't solve anything. That just causes more anger, because people that are against that form of, of of sort of uh, political protest will just say, oh, because you're doing it this way, I don't want to support your cause. Whereas they might not themselves be racist, but they don't agree with you doing it in that way. You do, they don't agree with you rioting or you protesting. Like I don't believe in riots and protests. I just feel like it causes more problems than they're worth. But some other people will agree with, with protests and some people will actually agree with riots, but I just think violence never solves violence. Mm. You know, like Gandhi says, you know, he did that. He did the silent um, protest because he believed that violence doesn't solve violence and i think that's the approach that you need to go with it um, Focus on the individual level again you know so i think that's what my standpoint is and you know you get a lot of people messaging you saying how can you not doing this and that and I, I tell them straight i said i don't care who thinks what and what they think of me this is how i feel about the situation it doesn't mean i'm being anti-racist because i'm not participating and if someone was saying to me you know uh, well why people have done this and that i said you don't need to tell me about that like my great grandfather's generation he was part when the British Raj was in India. He was part when Gandhi was alive. So I know exactly what he's gone through. I don't. What I don't do is blame the people of this generation for the actions of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. And that's what the problem is today. Mm-hmm. We're doing that, we're blaming all oh, white people, are all bad because of what white people have done to, their ancestors have done to black communities and people of color. Yeah, if you're gonna do that, you can blame the cavemen days when, you know, and say, this person's done this to me. How far are you gonna go back? Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to start from a clean slate and say, Okay, this is the situation. Obviously, in the world we're living in today, there is some sort of bias. Solve that bias. Don't try and make it as an abstract bias or a general bias and say, oh, it's just all white privilege. No, focus on what the actual issue is. Um, Create procedures that will solve that issue or correct that issue and then move on in that way. Um, And I think that's how to deal with it. It doesn't matter what industry is, whether it's yoga or racial biases, etc. Um, that's the way to solve it. But people are not willing to do that because at the individual level, it's so easier just to say, oh, I hate that person because they are behaving in the way I don't like, to, I don't want to yeah. behave. So it's so easy to point it out there. But then when you look inside, actually the anger and the hatred is within us. It's because we don't want to become that person. We don't want to see ourselves become, becoming that person. So yeah, it has to start at the individual level and that's the only way it's ever going to be solved.
0: Yeah. yeah, well said, man. Yes. So. I think I went in a bit of a rant there. It's oh, good,
1: mate. So it's about
0: getting um, into it. it-
1: but, and the other thing is you can't do this on a platform that only allows you to view a story for 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Mm. You can't put all your views in there. You need to have these kind of discussions. But people are not willing to have these kind of discussions because it causes... Uh, discomfort and it causes hate crimes and all this kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. hate speech etc it's because people are really uncomfortable with having these one-to-one interactions because they know that in this situation I can't get violent with you because then people will see that okay actually this person is unstable whereas when you've got a screen in front of you or when you've got a barrier in front of you you can say whatever you want and there's Mm -hmm. no consequences I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast there are no consequences when you've got a screen in front of you and you're just throwing things out there without really thinking about the, the issues at hand, you know, and I just feel like you need to, like we said, you need to get into this situation right at the start of this podcast where we're interacting with each other, and we're talking about the situation right in front of each other.
0: Mm, yeah, it's that looking at it on that individual level is vital because whether it is skin colour, mm-hmm. whether it's because somebody's fat, somebody's thin, somebody's rich, somebody's poor, look at your biases and all accounts, the racism, obviously, there is a movement towards some sort of prejudice in America when they're looking at the stats and the numbers and it seems black people are getting killed way yeah. more than white people. Yeah. Like, right, so there's an issue there. That needs to be taken and sorted out 100% because it's costing lives through ignorance or through extremely outdated and very negative ways of thinking. Mm. But on a, on another level of that, why is that behaviour happening now? And why would that person kill? Why would that white cop kill that black person? Mm. Because there's a lot of shit going on of how he sees the world, which is not accepting of allowance of other things and other people. Very unlikely that it would just stop at black people. It's mm. manifested that way, and it's, it's disgusting. But that person will have prejudices in other ways, maybe not to a strong degrees. And it's to to learn from that and see that within ourselves, it doesn't just have to be about race. You know, what what are the what is it within ourselves, the feelings that we put walls and limits against, uh, other people's behaviours that we will instantly shut down or dismiss, or limiting aspects within our own lives, the conversations that we're afraid to have, they're your borders, they're your racisms, your dislikes, your your hates, in another form, it doesn't just stop based off the obvious way of colour skin or country or borders, like, because it's all ridiculous, it's all nonsense, Mm. the fact that we still have to have those discussions really is shows how little we consider and think about life yeah. and how connected that all of life is. If I affect that, that affects me. But get rid of your hate, get rid of the prejudices, get rid of all these barriers and this nasty crap that takes us nowhere positive. Like yeah. It doesn't have to be there. When we've got self-introspection and we see, well, this is coming from me, I've got this inside me. And that thing that Peterson said, it was so good about... Um, the times of the movement, as you're saying, this was back people beyond us, generations before us and our generation, I want to say we were a bit more switched on, but who knows? And Jordan Peterson says, for what happened in World War Two with the Nazis and the Jews mm. that they had in the camps, yeah, yeah. and he says for to be was it what do you call it, the ss the the german informants they were like the despise for the, for the german army people would they were like the undercover police really mm. or if you heard somebody saying something bad about hitler or the nazis you'd get reported and they'll take you away as well it's always thought police isn't it pretty much man yeah very orwellian and and then george peter says you don't know what it would be like to just be one of those normal people who has to you, you're forced into it or you get killed or your family gets killed or the rest of the country's doing it and it's pressure to be like that like I'm sure a lot of people were going along with it because they were they were afraid but can you put yourself in the boots of the person that would have to do that and could you stand up and say no against the rest of the crowd who are going to needlessly kill these millions of Jews could, could you be the one person who says no don't do that and you're not going to torture them or you're not going to detain them like the difficulty that that individual has to go up against and again this is that that hero thing we talked about before like are you willing to die for what you believe in a strong enough stance like, mm. like those people could if if they wanted to but it's bloody difficult it's not easy it's when you know something is wrong to the core which is pain or torture or hate or murder you know the wrong wrong to the core right but those situ- situations that come about like that Maybe would, this person would do it to save his life because we don't have the courage or the strength to push through to something on on a much more positive scale. And it's deep, man. It's really deep to try and look at ourselves in that way and, and reflect upon it. And go, what would I do? Do do I have the ability to do it now? And as in a in a in a sense, it's occurring now with the protests and with what's going on. And, and where do we stand within this? Do we sit back and, and not say anything? Do we say something? That may cause more issues. Mm. Does it actually matter when people have so got their mindset? And I think if you're gonna be a part of the action, or you're gonna sit out, at least know why you're doing that, and if we've gathered enough information regarding it, and you can you can sit inside yourself, well this is what I've chosen, this is what I'm going with. Um who knows what's right or wrong, right? I yeah. just think if it's if something's has violent and somebody's getting killed for it we need to chill out a little bit. Yeah. We need to look at some, another route around. Because there'll always be a way. And again, people speak with how they live and with their money, as we mentioned, the companies before, Apple, Primark, whatever, racism, countryism, um, whatever it's called, wherever they are, they've got sweatshops. Mm. You know, they, they pay people cheap ass under wages to make their products while destroying the earth to get the products they want. Mm. and. It's madness, but we won't look at that. Let's look at this thing instead. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's exactly. like there, is, there is always that other thing to look at, for sure. And I do believe if something's been brought, like Black Lives Matter has been brought to the front, let's look at this now and try and sort it else. But don't put ourselves on the pedestal because there's loads of shit we've just been, uh, we know about Primark, we know about Apple and how bad their products are and where the mm-hmm. sources and stuff from, but we'll not talk about that because we're all doing it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, is that not ignorance in a massive way that we're doing that, you know?
1: Well, we've done that with the COVID-19 situation where mm. because of this movement, you know, like I was saying it to a friend of mine just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, before obviously this whole situation went down, uh, people were running after Cummings with a fork saying that, you know, he's done this thing where he's gone to, what's his name, Jeremy Cummings, I can't remember. Oh yeah, the guy who drove. Yeah, <laughs> and he drove there because he wanted, he wasn't sure whether he had COVID-19, mm. so he wanted his child to be safe, so he, he drove there to drop his child off to his uh, parents mm. but then the child lived with the grandparents until they were deemed safe um, and for me people were after the, the amount of people that were after him with a pitchfork saying he's done this broken this and that and I was just like mm. what the hell like I get it to a certain degree if he was doing it out of recreational purposes he's doing it to save his bloody kid's life mm. you know so he did whatever he thought was right for him and then about a week later, this whole thing comes down, and people are running around on the streets, and the media completely moves away from that story of Cummings, and was like, "What happened overnight?" Is no one going to talk about it. How a second ago you were after this man, you know, you were literally going to um, hand him out like we did in the olden days and call him out as a witch, and then now you suddenly turned your your eye on that and thought, "Okay, now it's okay that the protests are going on. We're okay with like a thousand people, you know, coming together. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. But then, you know, so where do you stand on it?" The people that were defending, well, you know, against Cummings doing that mm-hmm. are now again, uh, with the Black Lives movement. It was like, you, you can't pick both, you've got to pick a middle path and say, okay, actually, I was wrong about that, and now this, this is more important. Admit mm-hmm. to what you've, you've, you've said, mm-hmm. and this is what people's biases are. They are willing to switch like that without mm-hmm. even thought. I get it, if you switch and you've thought about it, fair enough, you've, you've, you've thought it through. But if you're switching and you're making decisions like what we just said, if you're silent, it doesn't mean you're being silent because you out of ignorance. You might have chosen to be silent about this issue because you've thought about it and you think the way to deal with the situation is probably not to say anything. Yeah, Or you've chosen to look at the situation and think, I'm going to do something about the situation and then you become vocal about it. But don't go around picking people out and saying, oh, you there, you haven't really voiced your opinion. What's your opinion? Oh, actually, because you haven't voiced the opinion, you're racist. <laughs> you know, what kind of... Idiot idiot is that, That's just ludicrous to do that to people. How stupid is that, you're causing conflict for no reason. Like I've seen, like I said, I've seen friends fall out over the situation, Mm -hmm. and I think that's one thing that you really need to take away from the situation. If you are having to fall out with someone because of their lack of ability to participate in something that, you know, or agree with what you agree with, then you need to look at yourself and think, what kind of person am I that I'm gonna, disagree with people that don't agree with my opinion. Like, what kind of person are you? Mm. Um, If anything, that should solidify your friendship, that the fact that you've got people that don't believe in the same thing as you. I think that's great to surround yourself with people that don't believe in the same stuff as you. You know, go out there and and talk to people that don't agree with the same stuff as you and have different opinions, and that way, you can either, um, you know, you can be more certain about your opinion, or you can actually start listening to people and say, actually, what you're saying, you've got a valid point, instead Mm. of just saying, I'm gonna try and one-up you with my opinion. You know, and this is what the problem is, we're not having discussions, we're having debates. Mm. And the debates never solve anything, it's just one-upmanship saying, my idea is better than your idea. The way to do this properly and to do it maturely is to have discussions about it, and to leave everything on the table. Whereas people now, especially white people, I've seen white people not being able to express how they feel. You know, I've talked to a few people saying, oh I don't know what to do about this, I'm just bl- blindly posting all this stuff because I'm scared of what people will think of me. Mm. like, what kind of world are we living in where we're doing that to people? Isn't that a form of oppression itself? you know, if it wasn't for white people and that person being white, if it was any of the race, you would immediately shout out the race card and say, this is oppression, but just because it's towards white people, you just think, ah, it's fine, because they've done it for thousands of years. Like, what kind of bullshit is this? Mm. You know, and I want to go back to the point that you mentioned about the perpetrator, and I was saying it to a friend of mine, um, have you ever read Victor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning? I've got it on my shelf, not read it yet. Oh, he talks about that, so the first half of the book is amazing. He talks about his experience. Uh, being in the concentra- concentration camps. Mm. And originally he went in there with a bias that all Germans and all uh, all sort of Nazis are bad or this and that. But as he went in there, as he spent time in there, he started to realize actually, some of these soldiers are just kids. They're like 18, 18 19 year old, 20 year old kids and they don't want to be here. They don't mm. have these biases towards Jews, but if they don't do anything in that situation, if they don't participate in that, that's their family, that's their friends' lives at stake. Mm. You know, you're going against the state. You're, going, you're, you're, a, you're enemy of the state if you're not a perpetrator. So they would rather be the perpetrator than stand up and say, "I don't believe in this." And if you are shooting people down on that, then you know you're again looking for that perfect image. That person is not going to turn around and say, "I'm going to sacrifice all of my my family and my friends over or, or over a person I don't know." Mm. You know, at the end of the day, that's human instinct to to, to save the lives that you know as opposed to these lives that you don't know. So this I was just saying it to this guy, like you need to read *A Man's Search for Meaning*, and, and also there's John Peterson's recommendation of Gulag Archipelago, the one with the Russian concentration camps. Same thing again, you know, some of these people are victims of the same situation, but they're on different sides of the coin. So you've got the people that are the perpetrators and you've got the people that are the victims and the slaves and the, sort of the people that are in prisons. You've got to look at it from both points of views, you know, not all of the Jews were good and obviously it's, a, it's, it's quite a political thing to say that, but a lot of them were, hated the Nazis as well which never really solved the issue as well, but at the same time there were a lot of Nazis that, that were good as well and they were good people. It was just the fact that they were German, they had blonde hair and blue eyes and they were dealt this card and they had to choose either saving the lives of their family and their friends or saving the lives of, of people that could be strangers. What would you do in that situation? And Jordan Peterson says that 90% of people, 95% of people would be the side of the, the oppressor. They'd rather choose the side of the oppressor than sacrifice the lives of their family and their friends. So you've got to look at that whole situation completely, not just say, oh, this person here pointing him out and saying he was a Nazi, he was mm-hmm. a bad person. It doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. We know that it doesn't work like that. Then why are we putting these biases on situations like this? Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting uh, topic to get into. But like I said, it affects so many different industries. It's not just one sole answer. And people want to have it that way. They just want to yeah. say, this is how we do it. Let's lift the oppressed up. But then, like I said, you're going to have other people that are going to stand up and say, we're oppressed.
0: Always. There's always another another thing to get in line. There's always something that, that can be fixed and looked at. And it's on such obvious scales, too. Like Whether it's poverty in, yeah. in rich and poor, distribution of wealth, that's something that needs to be looked at. But it's hard when the systems are already rigged up by people who are in favour of getting the benefits of a certain way. That's why it's always an uphill battle for to get equality in. And I think at times there are right times to protest. It's maybe one of them. I don't know. Um, you know, why, like, when the protest was on in Manchester, was it, is it more about people's feelings to mm-hmm. come together and to say, we all feel the same? Yeah. Because pretty sure America weren't looking at Manchester and UK going, oh, Manchester got involved, we better sort this out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's more like, was are those protests, if they are a protest, is it a gathering of people because we feel the same and we want to show each other, we've got each other's backs. Like, that's quite nice, right? Isn't it? It's quite a lovely thing. Um, because did that movement do anything, that one that occurred, other than us feeling connected? Like, what was the what is the source behind it, you know? And I'm not saying I know the answer, I'm just, just putting that out for thought. Um you know, while when it kicked off, when it happened in London, and things were getting a bit aggressive and out of hand, is that required? You know, and what's the movement doing? It's it's just really interesting, um, because it must be so tough for the people who feel, I have to make a stand for this, and I have to to go up against this because racism is real. It it is an unfortunate, disgusting thing that shouldn't be there, so how how do we, how do you eradicate it? How do you get rid of it? and unless people are willing to look at themselves, the individuals, and this includes the people who are racist, they have to look at themselves, you know? Otherwise you'd get what occurred a week later and you get the skinheads there mm. and, you know, the white supremacists um, starting fights for the police to defend the Churchill statue, mm. like, madness, madness, you know? I mean, it's a statue, right, it's the thing. Again, I understand why they're angry, because they defaced it, and they see him as this idealistic wartime hero, yeah. um, who also had his dark sides. But again, it's what camp are you in? Because that is with all of everybody else in the entire world. Like, if the world was as simple as, here's a good people, here's the bad yeah. people, we'll take the bad people, we'll put them somewhere, or kill them, or leave them on a little country and not let them get off sorted. But life isn't that, it isn't there's good and bad. It's grey. It's in between. It's defining yourself daily. It's, it's choosing the right actions for your truth, and hopefully, it's the compassionate choice which your truth benefits other people as well. If we've got to to the point of being able to see that or to realise that, if I do this because your intention is separate from the action. Like, your intention might be to do the best thing for people or for the world, but the action might not be good. It has to be done that, so where's the justification within it? Like, the action can be a separate thing in its own sense. So, for people to figure out, right, it's, it's difficult, but it's always looking at yourself 100%. What barriers and walls am I creating? And am I seeing things as separate and individual? And I guess the world's still in a place where we need we need movements and groups to define in a way, to, to rally up against certain things. I suppose there is concern that the government may take things too far at a point. Mm. And, you know, I, we're very controlled already as it is. And then with the lockdown going on and the thing with masks and people... I know people who were terrified, they were so frightened to, to step out because the government has said you can't. And it's mad. Mm. like to me that's crazy about a friend uh, Lee described it really well he said it's like people are in a house and your house is literally on fire and you're sat there going oh it's a bit warm in here but you know I'll stay here the government says stay here and then the, <laughs> the fire is creeping up your house is burning around you and it's coming right behind you and you're profusely sweating and you can feel the heat but you're like the government said I've got to stay in so I'm going to stay in you know like the the example of that guy who went down to the, what was his name
1: the guy who dropped his kid off um Jeremy Cummins, I can't remember his name, I know his, or,
0: his or the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. whatever it is, you have your reasons to define yourself and to do what you think is right, just let's look at the full picture and see how much that full picture we can put ourselves into, uh, and knowing knowing what is right through our own compass. Um, because there are, no, there are no good guys or bad guys, it's mm. all so conditioned and so experiential until we're looking at life as one big movement,
1: mm. I think. Yeah. It's, you have to look at the individual and you have to look at it as the entire collective not just you know p- bits and pieces picking whatever you want to choose and ad- identifying ad- identifying it as who you are as a person who you represent and uh, yeah you, you remember the, the quote from uh, The Dark Knight The Joker when he was in the interrogation where he mm. says there's these civilised people they'll eat each other you know when the chips are down they'll eat each other and it's 100% true like society will only let you be as good as it wants you to be Mm. and then once it decides that actually no, what your actions are now going beyond what society is telling us, like this is what good is, this is what bad is, once your actions start becoming a nuance between the two now it will shun you and it will make you as the the villain of the situation Mm. and uh, yeah it was so profound and I remember sharing that that was one thing I was sharing to my friends, like the quote of the Joker, it was just so so relevant today, how you know we're only as good as Society is allowing us to be, so, but that only happens if you deem yourself as, as like, you know, you identify yourself as maybe you're, you're for Black Lives Matter or you're for this, you for that, you're a Manchester United fan or you're a City fan. It's those identities you need to break down, those tribal mentalities break those down because there are people in that group, there are people that are Manchester United fans that are hooligans, and there are Manchester United fans that Good people, just normal people. They like sport. They're passionate about it. That's fine. But you need to separate yourself from those individuals from that group. But the whole um, identity politics, it doesn't allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. It's all about what the group thinks. It's all about what gay people think. It's all about transgender people think. It's all about the Black Lives Matter people mm-hmm. think. It's not about the individual peoples in that pocket. So for you to decide that I want to support this movement, but then when you look into the movement, you actually decide that actually I don't agree with protesting when it gets violent and it's rioting. I don't agree with that, but then how do I represent myself? Well, you can't, because there isn't a group to represent that with. So the only thing you can do is represent yourself as an individual person and go into that group and say, this is how I feel about this, I will protest for this, but then when things start becoming violent, I want no part of it. Mm -hmm. But people don't do that. What people do is they see that violence as a justification. You know, it's a form Mm -hmm. of expression of that group. Well, if that doesn't agree with what you are as a person, if that doesn't resonate with you as a person, you can step away from that and say, actually, I don't want to be part of this because you are now starting to go against my morals and how I, how I feel about the situation. So it's fine to do that part as well and people just don't realise that. And You don't have to fully agree with a group's uh, sort of ideas or ideologies. You can just say, okay, I partially agree with this, but I also partially agree with the right. You know, it's not just about being a complete left-wingist, it's also being that middle person that's saying, I agree with what the right is saying as well. But it's not, it's like, if you're not with us, you're, get, you're against us and you're with them. Mm-hmm. That mentality is what's causing the violence. That is within us. There's a book called uh, Machiavelli Deception. Um, and it's a, it's a theory based on how chimps behave. Mm-hmm. You know, how chimps would go against their own sort of groups so they'll, they'll benefit themselves. But then they'll pretend that they're with that group of, of chimps because they don't want to also see, uh, seem as though they are the, the outsider or the, or the one person that's the, the bad apple uh, or the black sheep. So, yeah, it's, a, it's ingrained in us, but we also, as human beings, have the ability to step away from that and say, actually, no, I won't sacrifice my values. Just because I, I agree with 90% of this group's identity, I will not sacrifice my, my 10% of my values. I will still stick with those values. Mm. But people don't do that. As soon as they involve themselves in a group, you are now that group. You are 100% that group. You know, there's no place for nuance and there's no place for individual opinions. And I think that's that's the most terrifying thing about this whole situation is there is no nuance whatsoever. No one is accepting any of the nuances. Well, you're a white person, so your opinions don't matter. What kind of bullshit is that? You know? I just think that's why I wanted no part of it, and and maybe that's the, I guess the the drawback of being a person who is a white or a person who is a black. You know, you're a person that's in the middle. But then again, you see how you're a person of color encompasses so many different groups of people, black people, white people, Asian people, every other colour apart from white people. So it's white white versus versus uh, people of colour. There's mm. always a segregation and that's created by society because what do they want? They want to maximise and they want to profit from the situation so we need to deal with that issue, that root issue as opposed to just saying, oh, well, we'll just go along with it because this is the category that people are giving us mm. and we'll just go by with what people say. Just don't agree with that bullshit. Mm. And that's why it is, it is people's bullshit. It's what you've decided to allow into your bubble. you created a bubble for yourself and you've allowed certain people or certain ideologies to enter that bubble and then you've shunned the other ones away. So you haven't accepted the bad side of that ideology as well. So there are good sides and there are bad sides and bad sides of ideologies and dogma and doctrines as well. But you haven't accepted those. You've just decided that this is why I completely believe in and that's it, you yeah.
0: know? It's getting swept up in, in the excitement and things or, or even the, the things that you want to believe in It's with all groups or with all movements or with with cults, you know, Mm. Um, is you lose your individuality. You trade it in to become a part of a collective. Um, Rather than a collective of individuals, it's a collective of of a hive mind, so it all just thinks and responds one way, which is when things get dangerous, you know. It's when people get on power trips or you see it in the old, old country Mm. with the, the Osho, um what was it, the little village that they set up and you know, it can happen to everyone and anywhere because again we're not perfect this is why you have to be your own, your self-authority, your own leader, your own person who understands yourself um, and what your true motives are and it's, you still learn and listen and be a part of these things, the movements, protests, groups, whatever but knowing that you're doing it in your way and in your style and what's, what's true to you and it's just so strong and it's a powerful thing to be able to do, isn't it? To know yourself, to know who you are, and you can be in these environments and deem what is right or wrong based off what you know and what you're aware of, that has allowed experience of other people and other ways of being to, to be there, but you know when to step away or when to contribute.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Self, self-awareness. Self-awareness. Yeah. That's where it starts. And unfortunately. Now people will say, well that's a very abstract idea. It is, but then all you need to do is look at yourself in the mirror. So you see a reflection of yourself, your physical self every day. People are completely fine looking at themselves physically in the mirror. And I, I remember reading this or listening to it. Uh, we're happy to carry a mirror around all over the place. We're happy to walk by uh, windows and, and, and you know, glasses that reflect our reflection and just happily glance at it. But we're not lo- willing to look deep within that, that image and see who we've created. And do we really relate with what we've created? And I think that is the hardest part because when you look at yourself, you start actually seeing those problems come out. Um, you, you're that perpetrator. You're that person that says, I don't agree with this. And you're that, again, you're that racist person if you want to be. And you have to almost eliminate that and get rid of it. But then also appreciate that. It's like what we said all those podcasts ago. It's, it's We're on separate paths in life. And it's there's an expectation of you to meet my path let's say we bump into each other and you know like we did back when block opened up it's like for me to turn around and say to you Oh, you're at this stage in life either I need to get to your stage or you need to come to my stage you know and that's what the problem is it it almost becomes like a competition to see Mm. who can surpass each other and that's just not going to solve anything you have to appreciate where other people are Mm. in their lives even though it might be the most heinous thing in the world you know you might be a criminal or someone who's a Is a murderer or a racist? You have to almost appreciate where they're at in life, and and it's it's difficult to do that. And then come from that position of of compassion and say, "Okay, how do we solve this issue?" It's like psychologists like um, psychologists can't work with people when if they start to automatically judge the person for the actions they've taken. Mm -hmm. You know, if you work with criminals and you work with people that are rapists, etc., murderers, how do you relate to them if you are continuously Mm judging them and saying, oh, well, you're this kind of person. Because as soon as they start filtering out the story to you, then you start to actually have a sense of compassion. And some people feel like that's wrong. Mm. To have compassion towards people who have done wrong is wrong. Like, What kind of bullshit is that? You know, you just can't live and exist in a world. If you want to have that mentality, then you have to go with the opposite mentality, which is if someone commits a crime, regardless of what the crime is, if you murder someone, whether it's self-defense or because you actively gone out there to murder someone, the penalty has to be an eye for an eye. You either choose that path, which is you terminate that person regardless of what his reason for killing that person is, or you go the other way, which is you accept whatever their reason is for murdering that person, whether it's for vengefulness, whether it's for old selfishness, or whether it's for self-defense. And then you say, what kind of punishment do we de- uh, deal out? And I think that is what the problem is, is people want to, People want to switch between the two. You know, let's say if you, you murder my family. I want to go towards the idea that I want to kill you. you know, I want to get rid of you completely. Whereas if someone from my family murders someone else, I want to be sympathetic and say, actually, this this is not who my, this person is. I've known this person for God knows how many how many years, and this person I know is not this person. They've done something and there has to be a reason for it. So you can't pick and choose. You know, you're, well, this is what we're doing. We're picking and choose, choosing between one extreme and the other extreme. You have to accept both of it and say, actually, if I was in that situation and I was a relative of that of that murderer or I was a person that was related to that murderer and I cared about the person, how would I feel but at the same time how would I feel on the other side if I was the yeah. victim or the person that's been murdered or the, or the family member that's the person who's been murdered that belongs to. So it's looking at it in, in that way and, and that's the only way, again it goes back to self-reflection, we have to look at ourselves in the image in the mirror and say, you know, who are we really and how do we feel about this stuff. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's a really deep, deep issue. And and again, it comes back to the first point I made. It's because we, we put so much premise on how people look and how things look. And, and look at the mental health issues. I think the other day, um, on the 14th of June, there was a, a Bollywood actor who's committed suicide, 34 years old, and his reason for doing it was because he was depressed, but then it was the fact that he wasn't able to express the person he was, and there were so many other reasons for it. But the ironic situation is he, his opinions and his sort of, his sort of nuances for doing what he did have come out now and people are celebrating that. Whereas when he needed that to happen, it didn't happen. Mm. So it has to, it usually comes out like the situation with the Black Lives situation. It had to be that this man had to be murdered in front of a camera for seven minutes. You know, this heinous act had to be seen for that long for people to realize actually this is a big problem of society, this needs to be dealt with. If that hadn't happened, People will just be going back to their normal lives. Mm. And I said it to this person yesterday. I said, as much as this situation has opened up people's eyes, it's just a phase, unfortunately. Unfortunately, what's going to happen is, and I really hope it doesn't go this way, but in about two or three weeks' time, maybe in a couple of months' time, when everything dies down, people will go back to their normal lives and everyone everyone else will just forget what happened. And then when something big happens again, it'll all come out again. Mm. It just doesn't work that way. You can't have these waves. You have to do something out of it. You know, it's not just about you looking as though you're promoting this and you're doing this on your social media. You have to actively be doing something which is going to the the deeper root and and changing the way you feel about situations and and educating the people around you in that way. Not at the level where you can impact like thousands of people. If you have that platform, fair enough, but to not just shout biases, but the issue is when you have more people to, to address, the more nuances you have to take on board. Whereas at this level, it's just you and I. and We just need to consider the, the discussion between you and I and how you feel about something and how I feel about something. When you are addressing multiple people, I feel sorry for people like the, uh, the, the Prime Minister and the President of America because you're having to cater for everyone's needs. It has to be a very difficult situation to be in. Um, you've got everyone's eye on you and you're not going to please everyone. You know, you're going to please a very small percentage of people. But then it's like, can you take that burden on? Can you actually take that burden on And that's what the platforms today have created. Social media has created those platforms where now you have, it's not just a couple of hundred people that follow you, it's a couple of thousand people that follow you, so you have to be on your best behavior and you have to please everyone. Mm-hmm. And I said to my friend, I will have no part in that. I will have no part in that situation where I'm, I'm, I'm having to please certain people. I will stick by what I believe in. And if people agree with that, great. If you don't agree with that, great. You know, I'm not gonna say to you, I'm not gonna be your friend because you believe in a certain way. <laughs> You know, what kind of bullshit is that? Mm. You know, so, yeah, this situation just makes me really passionate about um, talking about it. And I think it should be talked about in this way without any act of violence again, but talk about it openly without people feeling as though, just because I'm white, I can't talk about black people and their situation. Like, what kind of bullshit is that again? Mm. You know, just, and then when people actually do that, when, when white people are saying to their white friends that, let's talk about this. Someone around, someone around the corner will turn around and say, oh, you can't talk about this because you've never been in that situation. Mm. So what is it, what is it that you want? you want? Do you want people to talk about it or do you want people to to silently not say anything about it? So it's again looking at that situation. Mm. It's coming together and looking at the situation.
0: Yeah. You know, I was just watching uh, the show. I think it's got Pretty, Pretty Little Fires. Mm. Um, and was a, I watched a scene with her and it was a black lad and he was dating a white girl. And she was like, were talking about um, one of them was getting into university or something and she she was basically saying to us you know I don't see you as your color I see you we're all one you know see you see you as humans yeah. everything he's like but I want you to see me as me I am black and I am looked at by other people because of the color of my skin in certain ways and in certain ways that I'm proud of being and I thought what an interesting way to be seen is you've got one person who thinks they're doing right the the white girl and that says so he's like there's no color there's no difference but in that role is she stripping away the individuality of her partner who wanted to be seen as a black individual. It's, wow, that's really powerful on both sides. It's very powerful because they, they both seem to be doing good from their own perspectives, but how do you sieve it through, you know? How do you figure it out? And it is, it's listening to people. Like, if that's the case for her, then you're seeing everybody as one. And then you can respect the individuality as well, right? That's that's the beauty in, because the individuality I think this is the authentic expression of what we are, it can't be denied, you know. Again, just to use that example of nature, a tree, thousands of trees, yet they're all different, and you know you're looking at a different tree from, the, from another mm-hmm. one, right? When you're in the middle of the woods and you can see these different trees, all the different flowers, as similar as we they are, they're all unique and individual, but they're all of one species. Mm-hmm. Same as humans, and not just race or country or um, creed, we're all humans but we're all individual and expressive as well. And it's like to to find a beauty in that, to, to like that and to nurture that, but to not nurture why your individuality is different in a negative sense because that's when comparison and competition comes in rather than celebration and acceptance as they're the two paths that we can pick through that. And who all wants to be the same? What would be the point? You know, it's, We can't learn, we can't... Uh, mingle, we can create new things. It's like the whole point is the difference, but we're all coming from what, we, where we're We're coming from essentially love, compassion, or resistance and fighting and um, competition. Yeah. And
1: yeah, which which one's the more joyful life for everybody? Yeah, definitely. So what you said is interesting because Ramdas he said the same thing. He goes, it's interesting how. If you go out in nature and you look at the different types of trees and the different shapes of trees, you know, you don't look at those trees and, and look at one and say, "Oh, that one's bent," you know, poor tree, you know, it's not getting all the light, and etc. You don't have any attachment towards it. But then, yet, we have that same attachment towards people that we that we have around us. You know, we look at a person and say, "Oh, poor person," look, this person's like this and that. When mm-hmm. you don't know anything about that person, so we should have that sort of detachment away from that um, aspect, that mentality of saying, you know, we're all different. There's a fine line between racism and complimenting someone. It's a very fine line, you know. As soon as I say, "Oh, you're black," you know, I want to know more about you. Um, someone, one person, can take that as racism, or one mm-hmm. person can take that as, you know, actually, this is a compliment. But then you can go the other way around, and, and I say to you, oh, "How are you doing?" Like you said, the person you were talking about, I can say to you, "How are you doing?" And then completely gloss over the fact that you're black and not talk to you anything about your heritage and your culture, not ask mm-hmm. you about that, and then for you to turn around and say to me that. Why do you not ask me about my colour? How how come you've never asked me about my culture? You know, it's something I went through when I was Mm. dating people um, that were not Indians because we would talk about, the first thing we would talk about is the culture. And I I saw that as a positive thing when someone comes over to me. There was a a situation when I was in uh, Wales about two years ago. Uh, North Wales, I went to the quarries in North Wales and we were doing, I went with my sisters, we went zip lining. And they were in, in the bathroom and I was just stood outside waiting for them and one of the older guys that works at the quarry came over to me and he goes, oh, we don't get people like you over here. And and I I got where it came from, it came from a genuine place. But if I was a very hatred person, you know, I would see that as a a negative thing and and think, whoa, like, how can you say that? So it comes back to addressing the situation for what it is, address that situation for what it is and not put your biases on top of it. Don't gloss it over with anything. Look at it objectively and look at it the way it is. This person came to me from a point of view that, oh, you know, I've never seen an Indian person we don't normally see Indian people over here mm. so tell me who you are it's out of curiosity it's not out of you know, hatred or, or racist a mm. um, racist act so you look at it in that way and uh, yeah, and that's what people are not willing to address people will automatically when, when a white copper kills a black person they automatically jump on the bandwagon that oh it's a racial act of murder straight away it's a racial act maybe it was maybe it wasn't but the point is to jump on that that is a racial bias in itself You've mm-hmm. got that program in you. You've got that bias that actually, wait a second, just because it's a, it's a white person or a black person, it must be a, a racial act, you know? And most times it probably won't even be that. It would be the fact that it might be everything else. That, might, that person might just hate that person, you know? But it's nothing to do with race, but you've just ultimately played, played the race card. And I think that's what's happening in today's society. We're ultimately dealing the race card because we see that as the primary uh, way to identify people. Oh, you're black, so you must be a black person, or you must have a black heritage. I have so many, I know so many Indians that just don't live Indian lives. So for me, I wouldn't really consider them as Indian. Mm. I just see them as, oh, you're a brown person, you're living uh, a Western lifestyle, that's fine. You know, you have Indian roots, but you don't live the Indian Hindu traditional lifestyle. Whereas I've seen so many uh, people like the Hare Krishnas in the Eastern European countries that are, that are living Hindu lives. You know, they are brown on the inside. You can tell by the way they cook, the way they talk to people, very similar to the way that uh, my people have done for thousands of years, and I see them as more Indian than the people that are brown. So there's that part, and people are not willing to look at that part. you know. So it's almost, again, cultural appropriation and you know, cultural appreciation is a fine line as well. Where do you put that line and say, this is what cultural appreciation is, this is what cultural uh, appreciation is. Um, how do you separate the line? Mm. So it's, it's something that we need to sit down and talk about as opposed to just, saying, oh, this person's done this. You don't know anything about that person at the individual level. You don't know that person personally, so how can you say that person's being offensive? Or how can you say that person's being um, complimentary? Like, it, you can't, unless you have that conversation, unless you have this sort of interaction, you can't. and You can't read it off a 200-limit character on your Twitter account or you know, a 10-second, 20-second post on your Instagram. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible way of doing it. And I think we're getting into the habit of, you know, sending more messages through these platforms. I think they've got a new platform, TikTok, that's become big. Mm -hmm. It's like a a 10 second preview or something of, of, and people are enjoying that because that's what they want. They want instant gratification, instant sort of form of of information. And it's just, it's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. You have to go to the long forms. You have to listen to podcasts. You have to listen to long discussions and have these sort of uh, communications and these forms of conversations so then you get the full idea of what a person thinks. Yeah, it, goes, it keeps going back in a circle, though. <laughs> I think what time will we on. An hour and 11 minutes. Yeah, is that our? Good time, one more ones. Yeah. Yeah, wrap up there, man. Perfect. Yeah, I don't know how the audio is going to sound in this place, because the vents are on. We've got people walking past. We'll probably have an organic conversation, um, and just like a, com- a camera in our face whilst we're, we're talking, I guess. So, yeah, so this was podcast number 16. 16. Yeah, you're right, 16. 16. Um, yeah, this was a really interesting one, wasn't mm. it? I think it, it needed to be talked about at yeah, I was just saying it to a couple of friends of mine that it's something that I was going to mention in the next podcast and I want more people to come onto this platform and, and talk about this kind of thing. So. Mm. And then that way we get to see the full perspective of how people actually feel about the situation as opposed to just, you know, s- small snippets of what, how people feel.
0: Yeah, maybe good to speak to somebody who feels deep in the movement, you know, mm. to see what they're their outlook is towards it and, and get even the centralisation that you get off everything on the internet of how well oh, this is happening and that's going on and it is it's so difficult you don't know the person you don't mm-hmm. know how or what their motives are and like we say do are you able to keep your individuality within that group of whatever's occurring at the time um, yeah it's fascinating it's just so much going on with mm-hmm. any one person and it's so easy to get swept up and, and lost in it and like the older generations and the criticising, and but we weren't there at those times, or it's understanding why people have the beliefs you do, like what you just said, for the example, when you went ziplining, if you were sensitive, you could have easily gone, what are you saying? Mm. You know, or if you were violent, aggressive, it, it could have gone another way, like what do you mean by that? But you understood the area that you were in was predominantly white, in the middle of nowhere, they don't have many Indian people there, so it can be expected and not in a negative manner is
1: but that's a, a reflection on you but that's a reflection on you because mm. you've reacted to something that's not even out there you know mm. it's like how we put all the stuff in our head, you've reacted to a situation that's not even there it's, mm. you've just created <laughs> it so then you can invoke whatever your response is mm. so it's like people these days are, they've got those um, that sort of hatred and that bias in them and they're just looking for the right situation to, to express it. And that's mm. why we're in this situation where there's violence going on. Because people are using this opportunity to become more violent. I think we'll have to kill it there. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. Timing. So this is podcast number 16. Um, again, this will be on Instagram, Spotify, YouTube. And we'll see you on the next one. Stay conscious. Yeah.